0: Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast's Wine Business Talk Series. Every Thursday, we will be connecting with our Italian Wine Podcast listeners all over the globe on all things wine and business. This podcast has been brought to you by Colangelo & Partners, the leading fine wine and spirits agency in the US. Visit Colangelo & Partners at www.colangelopr.com.
1: Hello, welcome to Wine Business Talk on the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Giuliana Colangelo. Throughout this series, we've been exploring how technology can help Italian wineries more effectively and efficiently reach their target trading consumer audiences. And a key theme has been e-commerce and digital and the importance of your brand being available online as more consumers than ever before are shopping from home. Today, we will speak with Kristen Reitzel, Vice President, Public Relations and Communications at Jackson Family Wines, about the launch of the company's dedicated multi-brand e-commerce website, yourwinestore.com, as well as Tanuta DiArcheno, the family's winery in Tuscany. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank
0: you. Thrilled to be speaking with you today.
1: So before we get into today's conversation, let's daydream a little bit. Safe to say, we're all missing traveling, so describe for me your perfect vacation day in Italy. Where are you? What are you doing? Most importantly, what are you drinking?
0: Okay, so I will start by saying I feel like any day in Italy is probably a perfect vacation day. But I, for me, would probably be somewhere along the Mediterranean coastline. Um, I was very lucky to spend a lot of my um, time when I was a student in Italy And having grown up in San Francisco, where water is always at my back door, I felt really right at home um, when I was able to spend some time um, in those coastal towns. And I just, I love the rugged cliff sides, the seaside towns. Um, The water is definitely more beautiful and much warmer than it is here in Northern California, which is a plus. Um, But that's definitely where I'd probably be. Um, And I would definitely be having a glass of wine. So what would I be drinking? Um... I love Italian wines. I drink a lot of Italian wines um, from all over Italy, uh, particularly be it Sagrantino, Barolo is always a wonderful treat. And then of course, Chianti Classico. But I would say I've been really enjoying a lot of the wines from Etna recently. So I would probably be drinking an Etna Bianco.
1: Beautiful. One of my favorite wines too. So I'll join you there. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. So to get into the meat of today's conversation, we're going to be talking about e-commerce primarily today and direct imports. But to start, can you tell us a little bit more about your role at Jackson Family Wines?
0: Definitely. So I've been with the Jackson family for nearly eight years. And if you can probably devise from my title that I manage all aspects of communications and public relations for the wineries that the family owns across the globe, which is about 40 wineries now that they've really built and acquired over the last um, four decades. So I also manage, and I think that's going to be a lot more of what we talk about and dive in today, all the digital marketing efforts across all of the brands. And I think, you know, this, of course, includes social media, but it also includes all digital touch points, which is the website, email, and of course, e-commerce.
1: Very cool. That sounds like a big job. I'm a I'm busy person. So thanks for taking the time being here today. We really appreciate it. Um, so we know you before Jackson Family Wines, you started your career in tech, actually, which I imagine was a great background for what you're doing today, especially on the digital marketing and e-com side. So tell us a little more. What was that like transitioning from tech to the wine industry and how and maybe a little bit about how you draw upon your tech background in your role today.
0: It was actually a somewhat easy transition for me mainly because I I did grow up in the bay area around the wine industry, so I had a bit of a background and at least familiarity with the industry, but absolutely was not an expert. And I think anyone that knows the San Francisco Bay Area knows that the tech industry is a pretty large industry here. So it was definitely a great training ground to really learn the best practices of PR and communications in that industry. But I think the ba- my background in tech space was incredibly important to how I approach my role in the wine industry. And just my role as the head of digital and PR and communications is because if you really look at the industry and you look at the folks that find themselves dedicated to tech, they're very innovative. They want to discover something new. They want to find a new way of doing something it's very entrepreneurial, it's very creative, and it really pushes the boundaries and always pushes the status quo. I always brought that spirit to the role in the wine industry, and I really followed that spirit that I picked up in tech. And I think that it's the idea that you should never really rest on your laurels. And just because we're a traditional industry doesn't mean we always need to do things the most traditional way. And I think the tech industry does a really good job of understanding what the consumer's expectations are and when consumers get used to something or they adopt a new technology or new way of doing things, they very often don't revert back. They always want to move forward. And I think that we always should be doing that. We should always be moving forward. We should be innovating. We should be thinking of you know new ways to be it package our wine, sell our wine, meet the consumers where they are so they, they can discover our wine. And also talking to the consumer in a new way, I think is really important. And I think it's that creativity and that kind of dynamic approach that I try to bring to all of our tactics around public relations as well as digital marketing.
1: No, that's, that's a great point. And I think we need more people with that spirit in the wine industry willing to take those risks and adapt and, and move forward. And I think if 2020 taught us anything that, you know, it's, it's vital to, to pushing your company forward to take that approach and try new things. So that's, that's, that's great to hear. So you know, getting more into yourwinestore.com, what we're talking about today, You know, Jackson Family Wine is a complex business. There's so many different great wineries, global brands, distribution company, and now this dedicated e-commerce platform that spans across the entire portfolio. So can you talk to us a little bit more about how these different pieces of the business work together?
0: Definitely. And you, you, you basically touched on the, <laughs> it is a complex business, mainly because we do have so many working elements within it. So we, um, we have the wineries themselves. So we're, we are a producer first and foremost, we, we own the land, we farm the land and we produce the wines for these wineries across the globe. And with that, we also have to distribute it. So we have an amazing dedicated sales force. We have, you know, best in class marketing team, digital teams, PR teams, of course. And I think that we're all working together to a common goal. And that is, you know, we're putting the quality in the bottle. You know, we're not cutting corners. That's the number one thing we need to do is like, we're dedicated to that quality first. And then from there, it's about getting our brands out into the market and be that an established brand like La Crema that has a 40 year history and a loyal customer base. We're always looking for new people to discover that brand. So I think it's it's a few it's it's everyone working together to kind of meet that common goal. But ultimately I think a lot of it comes down to the customer and the brand. You know, discu- consumers right now are discovering wines in so many different ways. So many different ways than they were even 5 and 10 years ago. And they're buying them through both traditional channels, you know, like large and small retail stores, or restaurants, but they're also, they're always buying winery, you know, they're buying from the wineries direct, be that because they visited wine country and they're at the winery, or they're looking at their online um, their website. And they're also now buying, and they always have, via online wine retail stores like wine.com. But I think most recently we're seeing an adoption of more use of alcohol delivery apps as well. I think not just through the when I say discovering, they're not just discovering wines and finding those way to buy ways to buy them. But they're also, they're discovering new wines through different channels, you know, be that social media, be that through walking into a wine shop and having a conversation with the owner. So I think all of those traditional ways that we, we usually assume consumers are learning about wines, they're also, they're finding them everywhere. And that's where I think wineries have a real opportunity to broaden their communication strategies to, to really make sure their wines are discoverable, but if they're discoverable, also available in more channels than just maybe the one you think your brand fits into. And, and I, I'm one to say like, we have wineries that are 80% direct. And so that's the most lucrative channel for us. And it's critical to certain businesses, but we also like to have some of our wines out in the three-tier market. We also possibly would have some of those wines available for online sales. And, and we have to kind of look at like, what are a few of those other channels, particularly in a situation that is very unique, like the pandemic, where an entire channel was essentially shut down and that's the restaurant industry. So finding a little bit of diversity, you can have the majority of your business in one channel, but having a little diversity for discoverability, I think is also really important to the longevity of a lot of the brands. Not just ours, but in the industry as a whole.
1: Absolutely. And I think uh, that's a great point, the accessibility, making it easy to find, but also easy to purchase. Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard that that's just a major barrier is, you know, finding availability of the product someone's trying to, to drink. So I think that those are all really great points. So you launched, uh, the Jackson Family Wines launched store.com just recently, which is exciting. Congratulations. I'm sure it was a, a huge project. So tell us a little bit more about how that came about, the decisions behind launching YourWineStore.com, you know, this year and, and what that process was like.
0: Yeah, so store.com was an idea that we had had for years in the company, and it just, it never felt like the right time, or there wasn't the right energy behind it. But when the pandemic hit, we thought, well, there's no time like the present. So we, um, we really moved quickly. We took an, what was an existing internal site, and then we made it an externally facing site, called it store.com. And it includes, it's a place where all of our wineries that we own and import are being sold. So right now it's basically just an online wine retail for those JFW wineries and imports, but... We've also seen a lot of success thus far, so we're really just scratching the surface and who knows what it could evolve into over the next two to three years. But I think what's important, we're unique in that way that, you know, we have a large portfolio that is also diverse that we can really pull from and justify launching this dedicated online retail site because we have the diversity in our portfolio and can can show, showcase a lot of things from be it a Russian River Pinot Noir by La Crema or Hartford or, a Chardonnay from the Stellenbosch region of South Africa. So, because we had that diversity, we felt like this this just makes sense for us. But then on top of that, I think what I look at for you know individual wineries, you know, you don't have this vast portfolio. I think it's just a really good reminder that even if you have one brand and even just maybe five wines, you know, consumers, like you said a moment ago, they're looking for that accessibility and that availability to buy. And I think that. Direct being the most profitable way to sell your wines. I do think it's important for you know all wineries, large and small, to really look at whether or not an e-commerce platform for your business makes sense and could be a viable sales channel for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because we know the logistics behind shipping wine in the U.S., especially when it comes to shipping into different states, is, is just incredibly complex. But I have to say my experience ordering wine on yourwinestore.com was seamless. I think my wine turnaround in two days, which was incredible. So that type of service too, I think is a really important component of e-commerce to keep in mind, you know, getting people to the site and buying the wine is one thing, but then the follow-up, getting it delivered on time to getting it delivered quickly is equally as important. Right. And I I can imagine there's can be challenges on that side too.
0: Absolutely. And I think you have to have a really good distribution partner for that reason. You know, we 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 have that partner and we're really lucky to have, you know, good partners that, um, you know, house our wines, ship our wines, take care of our wines. So they arrive not only on time, but in good condition. And we're not shipping over, you know, hot weather periods. And they, and they know that. And so finding a good shipping partner is really important. And I agree, it's extremely complex to navigate the different state laws and the shipping laws in this country. And because we do have, you know, businesses that had e-commerce, you know, e-commerce cart, they had carts on their website. So we had a lot of that figured out before we launched your wine store, of course. But at the same time, that's why I always say, I think that even if it's not an area that is viable for your for your winery. I think it's worth a conversation to think about whether or not. It is a good idea and it is something that you want to go go down that path because for a winery that has never shipped out of state, let's say they're in California, they're a small winery and they've never shipped out of state. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of logistics that, and a lot of things you're going to have to figure out and, and do before you can actually deploy an area of that area of your business. So it's not as easy as just like, yeah, let's turn on any, let's turn on, let's turn on a cart. Let's turn on a web cart. Um, But I think I, I just, I would say it's worth a conversation to see if it to see if you, you have customers that are looking to buy your wines that are in different states. And I think you can, it's about listening to your customers and seeing if you have that critical mass for demand. I think that if you have, for example, I think we get a lot of feedback through our social channels and also we get emailed directly by a lot of our wineries, but we listen to what our customers are asking for and, and issues that they're facing and trying to find or access our wines. And we want to be able to address that. And the last thing we want is a handful of customers in the United States or elsewhere that... Are clamoring for the wine and want the wine and they they just can't find it and they can't get it
1: absolutely um and i think for you know winery if you can't launch your own e-commerce site obviously there's the options of looking at all the new websites that are launching these days for e-commerce as well as those that have been around for a while and really nurturing those relationships and trying to build those relationships to get your brands online Jackson Family Wines, we've talked a lot about innovation in the company, in e-com and digital and sales, but we know sustainability is such an incredibly important part of the business. So can you talk to us a little bit about Jackson, Family's wine, Jackson Family Wines' commitment to sustainability?
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely part of our DNA, um, but we also learned a long time ago that there's, there's more to a vineyard than the vines. And that sustainability, sustainability is also more than just about the environment and the land. It's about the people, it's about progress. And you know, for us, it's about accountability. And if you look at just how we farm, we farm according to our values to nourish a resilient and healthy ecosystem. And that's from everything from preserving open space to um, creating healthy soils, um, to monitoring our water usage and trying to reduce that as much as possible. It's about, you know, responsible land stewardship, and it's about safeguarding the longevity of that land, not just for our own family business, but also future generations in our community. And I think that we also know as a company that it's our responsibility to care for the well-being of our people and our employees, but also the communities in which we do business. Um, they're vital to, you know, the long-term success of not just what we do, but, you know, the people that we need to help, you know, run this business. We don't do it. You know, it's not just one or two people. It's an entire, you know, group of people that we need to look after. And then, you know, going back to accountability, I mean, we really, we hold ourselves to very strict and exacting standards. And I said, and I always say, while well, sustainability is not a new concept for Jackson Family Wines. You know, we farmed and made wines with that goal in mind since the beginning. And that was really our founder, Jess Jackson's belief. You know, we're not we're not complacent in our approach. And he used to always say, you know, take care of the land and it will, it will take care of you and treat people like family and amazing things will happen. And I think it's really important that people know this is not something new for us. It's, it's something that our founder 40 years ago believed so strongly in. And the land has really always been the guide for Jackson Family Wines. Everywhere we've gone in the world, it started with finding an amazing place to plant grapes. And that was where it began. It wasn't about, oh, I'd love to to make a wine here, but I've never been there. It was always, you know, going back even to one of our more recent acquisitions in South Africa, which I mentioned recently, you know, Barbara Banky, who is Jess's um, wife and who is the owner and chairman of the company now, she went to South Africa and she saw this amazing place in Stellenbosch and she toured the vineyard and she's like this, she tasted wines from the area and she's like, these are world-class. I want to be a part of this. And this, this is the place I feel like we can really create an amazing winery and a foundation in South Africa on. And I think it's really, it's really amazing to work for a family that has had sustainability in mind from the beginning and the land always being that guide when it comes to moving into new places.
1: Right. No, foundational values that are, are just fundamental right to moving forward and absolutely. Can you tell us a little more how Jess Jackson and the family ended up in, in Tuscany with Tunita di and a little bit about the history of that brand?
0: Yeah, well it's kind of similar. Um so same 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 idea. They 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 went there and there was this area that we are now in, is Tenuta d'Araceno. It's a very large area that, you know, I think we plant less than 10% of it is actually planted to vine. It's in the heart of Chianti Classico. It's about an hour outside of Siena in this very small town of San Guzmé. We we make Chianti Classico from San Giovese, but we also, with our winemaker, we also do Bordeaux varieties. So we've actually planted a lot of Cabernet Franc on that property as well as Merlot. Um, so we do our conum, and Valadorna and Ilfano, which are all Bordeaux based um, blends as well. And so that we, we came into that area in the early 2000 or even earlier than that, but it's been an amazing addition to the Jackson portfolio. It's the only property we own in Italy. And it's always been that gem. And, you know, I look at when you think about our commitments to sustainability and you know, those commitments span all of our properties globally. But I think like in Archeno, particularly, it's really unique. And each place, each vineyard, each community, and each ecosystem is so unique. And you really have to respect that. And what might work in California, for example, may not work in Italy, but you can still have those same principles and you can still deploy them. They just might look a little different. I think that's always important to remember too, is that you can't have that one size fits all mentality when it comes to to land and farming land and and then also cultivating an an ecosystem and then also supporting a community because all the communities are different and they all have different needs I think that's what's important to acknowledge
1: yeah and adapting and working with your local teams to accomplish some of the same goals but perhaps you know using different methods or working with the practices they might be, have been employed for, you know, hundreds of years, right? So can we find Tanuta Zero Channel on store.com? Yes, you can find it in
0: other online retail spaces too. But yes, you can absolutely find it on YourWineStore.com.
1: So Kristen, you mentioned delivery services earlier as being one of, you know, a, a key point of innovation in the last year, what else do you see coming next for the beverage alcohol industry in terms of e-commerce? Anything, anything else on the horizon that you think we should be on the lookout for?
0: I don't know if we need, if, I think we should always be on the lookout for some new form of technology that is convenient for consumers getting something that they want in their hands quickly, easily, and seamlessly, because that is the expectation I think a lot of consumers have now. And they should because we have we have that technology that has allowed that feasibility of purchase and you know acquisition and like getting that product in your hand that night to an extent with some of these some of these opportunities. But I think the silver lining, and I think we are all looking for silver linings in the pandemic, right? I think it shines such a huge spotlight on the importance of wineries to take their digital strategy seriously, invest in it, and at least have a conversation about it. And I say that for a few reasons. And as a communications professional, I think that, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, consumers are finding out about wines and discovering wines from so many different communications channels. And while it may have just been from word of mouth and the, um, you know, wine, the wine trade publication and a score, that may have been the traditional way for a lot of consumers. And a lot of consumers still find, find information that way. They're finding it through so many different channels. And I think that it's made public relations a much more dynamic and intense career because you're having to really manage, manage and outreach to all those channels and work with all those, you know, different be it influencers, be it people in the trade that have, you know, a digital presence and are, you know, taking their credentials to the next level and becoming these like digital experts in wine. Just more people are accessing information from different ways. So I think that. You have to understand like what those communications channels are and if they're digital, really making sure your voice is there. And then it also, I I remember Shopify put out their annual e-commerce report. And the one thing that they said was kind of the overarching thing was the pandemic really left an enduring mark on the consumer landscape. And that years of change, years of change happened in a week and weeks. And I think online, offline spending shifted to online products that were rarely bought online, I think wine absolutely fits that, are now these staples in e-commerce. And so that immediacy, that convenience, and that speed of that consumer demand, that's become the new normal. And I think when you look at products that were not traditionally bought online or consumed, on, you know, found online, delivered to your home, delivered to your place of work, Um, Wine definitely fell into that. And I don't see that changing. I think that if people think kind of post pandemic that we're all just going to go back to the traditional way we bought wine and abandon the online aspect of that, I think that would be a a, that would be wrong to assume that and I think that this is the new normal. And if you haven't started talking about it for your own business, I highly recommend you do because people are going to continue to seek wine out
1: online. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that's been a theme throughout this entire podcast series, to be honest, is just that that conversation and it's not going away. So it's a good reminder. So thank you, Kristen, for being here today. This is such a great conversation. Uh, We learned so much about Jackson Family Wines and your winestory.com, but also really great to hear your take on communications and digital and how things have evolved and and how they will continue to evolve. So thank you again for being here today. Thank
0: you. It was great chatting with you about all of these topics that I live and breathe every
1: day. (laughs) <laughs> and to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out yourwinestore.com to learn more and join us next week for a conversation with Aaron Sherman of 750. Thank you.
0: See you again next week on the Italian Wine Podcast for another episode of Wine Business Talk brought to you by Colangelo and Partners. For more information on this series, you can visit Colangelo and Partners at www.colangelopr.com. And remember to rate our show wherever you listen to our podcast.